Welcome to Subject to Talent, brought to you by Allegis Global Solutions. Similar to you, we're always trying to learn more. On this podcast, we speak to talent experts around the world, covering workforce management, market trends, technology, and our forever evolving dynamic industry. Hello everyone, my name is Frank Edge. Welcome to another episode of Subject to Talent. Today, we sit down with AGS's Global Vice President of Customer Success, Andrew Grant, and AGS's Executive of Procurement Solutions, Jonathan Winters. In this episode, they discuss all aspects of building a service procurement business case. They discuss the factors to consider when preparing a business case, the structures that tend to work best, and some of the common pitfalls. Let's listen in. Hi, everybody. This is Andrew Grant from Allegis. I've got Jonathan with me this morning. Good morning, Jonathan. Morning, Andrew. Thanks for joining us this morning. But by way of brief introduction to our listeners, just wondered if, if you wouldn't mind just please sharing how you came to, to move into our industry. Yeah, sure. So I, I, I got here probably the, a similar way to a lot of people who end up in, in, in procurement or in staffing. And that, and that is I got here without intent. Um, my, my my studies at university were politics and nothing to do whatsoever with what I ended up doing. And then I entered a graduate scheme at HSBC, the classic two years, four rotations graduate scheme. That must be you know, 14, 15 years ago now. Um, and towards the end of that, I got my first exposure to procurement. And it was a chance to find a department where you had this this, this measurable and tangible impact on the business, where at the end of the year, when the company published their earnings, you knew that an aspect of that was because you saved them $2 million. You knew what your contribution was to the overall organization. So, um, caught the bug, stayed in procurement for years. Uh, and it, the NHS, Barclays, Lloyds Banking Group, Bank of America, Merrill Lynch, um, head of procurement at Close Brothers. Um, and it was in that time at Bank of America, going back now, it must be like six, six or seven years, that um, I ran a project to find a partner to help Bank of America Europe with their statements of work with their procurement solutions. And in that process, we ended up appointing Allegis. That was my first exposure to AGS. Um, years later, a um, couple of jobs later, um, I ended up coming back to AGS as that product started to move out of this 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 area, which was seen as you know innovative and brave to do this sort of thing. It was seen as being quite unusual to, to appoint a third party to help you with SOWs to migrating into being the norm and that business is growing well and I, I joined AGS to help continue that growth journey. How about you, Andrew? Yeah, no, interesting. It's a uh, you know, common thread there around investment banking. I, I also worked in that sector uh, for a few years as a finance guy, finance director, uh, my, my final role there. Um, and But, you know, really wanted to be in the front office uh, of a business working directly with clients. Uh, that was really what I was passionate about. So when I was approached to join a recruitment business about 25 years ago, uh, it you know it just seemed like a fantastic opportunity to change career, and that's that's what I did. So look, just just changing gear now, Jonathan. Look, our discussion today is about the business case, you know, and and we'd like to spend a little bit of time and uh, you know for our listeners really understanding, dissecting what what is a business case, you know, what's its purpose, and you know what are some of the the most important things to consider when we're putting together. Uh, a business case. I guess, as a procurement professional yourself for for many years, you've, you've you've seen a lot of business cases over your time that you may have prepared yourself or people have have submitted to you. I expect you've seen the good, the bad, and the ugly. 
So look, let's let's start with purpose. You know what what you know what is the purpose of a business case? Well, at its core, it's all about moving your thinking from that stage. And 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 for most people, before they start creating the business case, they have a vague idea of what the problem is in their organization and they, they have a gut feeling as to what the solution is. The business case helps you start to articulate and measure what that problem is, what it means to the organization, what impact it's having, what the solution might be, um, and perhaps helps you broaden your thinking around it. There is solution options. And then backing all that up with data to allow for a decision to be made. That's that's it at its core. It moves you from that gut feeling as to as to where we ought to be to enough research for the decision can be made as to what we should do next. And now we help a lot of clients build business cases specifically around procurement solutions. And without exception, um, they all have that, that same sense at the beginning that we know the challenge. The trickiest part of that process though is measuring the nature of that challenge and measuring the nature of the problem they've got in their business and what impact it's having today on, on, on the way they operate. Yeah, interesting. What's your experience, you know, with clients where they haven't really understood the purpose of a business case and and or, or it hasn't been properly prepared or prepared at all? Well, I, I think the two, I guess, I guess, two extremes of of how it can go drastically wrong are people either just not doing enough in the business case, which is where they've taken that sense of I know what the problem is and I know what the solution is, and really just written down this is what we need to do next. Um, but not provided the data to back it up and not really looked beyond what they already assumed the answer to be, not created options. Or the second, um, equally difficult to manage one, is that they go chapter on this. You know, I've seen 100-page business cases. Um, and that's not really something that's going to facilitate effective decision-making, which is the purpose of this at the end of the process, right? It's to decide what the right course of action is. So, um there's a fine balance between the two somewhere, which says I've, I, I've adequately thought through the nature of the problem. I've measured the nature of its impact. I've given thought to various things we might do. Now let's make a decision out of this short list. Yeah, look, I, I agree. I think, you know, for, from my experience, the purpose of a business case is to identify a business problem, isn't it? Or a, or a business opportunity. And, and second, really, you know, in simple terms, to make a recommendation and, and ensure that you've got backup to that recommendation with sufficient evidence to make it credible, uh, which is your point about having all the data. Um, okay, so look, that's good. Look, moving on, you know, what, what in your experience, some of the factors to consider when when putting together a business case? I think first of all, stay open-minded. Um, stay open-minded about the solution. Um, too often we enter that, that, that process of creating a business case as a way of getting approval to do what we've already decided we want to do. But we've done that without, without looking through the data. Once you're looking through the data in the business case, allow that to change your mind. Allow that to show you different opportunities of, of, of ways to fix a problem that you're trying to fix. That's That's got to be top of the list. Second is definitely that data is key, um, not only because it helps you make better decisions, but it's the foundation of the credibility of the business case. People will, when it comes to the decision-making process at the end of this, will try and pick holes in what you've done. Um, especially their impact in any way. And good, solid data is unequivocal. Um, so you're, you're, you're protected by doing so. Um, and then finally, I guess, and possibly actually even most importantly, is involve as many people as possible. Far too often business cases get to the stage of being presented. Um, and it's the first that some people have heard of it. And that's really important for two reasons. Number one, um, if it's the first they've heard of it, they will try and derail it. Um, whether they're impacted by it or not. 
And number two, you don't know until you've shared the shared, shared the messaging in this and, and communicated widely within your business who is impacted. Today, when you're addressing the perhaps an inefficient process or, or, or trying to trying to try, trying to build a business case that solves a, an existing business problem. You don't know who will be impacted by the solution just because you've looked at who's impacted by today's issue. So, for example, you might be looking at uh, a problem around how reporting isn't working efficiently as it gets missed between spreadsheets. You come up with a technical solution, a piece of software that's going to solve this problem. IT were not previously a stakeholder. They are a stakeholder now. So just because you've looked at the as is doesn't mean you've you've covered the stakeholder mapping for the solution. So involve as many people as possible. People will often object to a decision that's forced upon them and very rarely object to a decision that they've been involved in making. Yeah, it's a, it's a great point. It's human nature, isn't it? And I think people want to feel like they've been consulted as part of the ch- any change pro- process. Um, but, you know, t- two, two takeaways, I guess, that, you know, you, you've communicated there. One, one is, you know, don't get emotionally involved in uh, the recommendation. You know, you might think it's the recommendation in the only way, but, you know, but not everyone's going to have that view and people are going to have different perspectives. Um, and, you know, don't try to guess what's important to, to your point to those people. Go, you know, as part of putting the, the business case together, go and speak to them individually. You know, interview them as part of the process to, to really understand what their perspectives are and make sure that, you know, you've covered all the bases in your business case. Don't leave anything out that's important, you know, to the people that are reading this report and they're going to be, you know, fundamentally making decisions on the basis of your business case. So, yeah, you know, Point's really well made. Thank you. So actually, that reminds me of one of the one of the top tips for the business cases, which is challenge your own thinking with that business case, and you know, sit with colleagues, sit with friends, and get them to challenge and, and identify the gaps in the business case before you're sitting in front of the CFO or the CIO or CEO trying to pitch your idea. Have as many people as you can try and pick holes in it. It's better that you. You identify those and come up with solid answers in in, in some sort of practice round or, or some sort of friendly environment than doing it in front of the board. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a great great recommendation. Um, look, mo- moving on, who who are the key players, Jonathan? You to think about, I guess, when you're putting a business case together. Obviously, it comes down to the nature of the business case and the challenge that it's trying to address. If I think really to um, the the business case that we work on a lot, which is helping businesses come up with different ways of addressing statements of work. Then you've obviously got the impacting parties, finance, HR, change, procurement, whoever the exec sponsor is. Those are parties that you'll know about before you start, before you sit down and and put pen to paper. As you're going through the process, as you're doing, as you said earlier on, interviewing the stakeholders, as you're starting reviewing process maps, you're just going to keep stumbling across other parties who are involved. Um, You're going to find certain departments make a lot of requests. You're going to find certain individuals who get involved in approving documents, for example. As you identify all of these, they all become key stakeholders. They all become people that you need to consult with um, that didn't necessarily seem visible at the beginning. Yeah, it's, good. it's a good point. I mean, you know, for me, my own, my own painful experience, I'd recommend, you know, to the listeners, you know, get a, get a whiteboard, design a stakeholder map, you know, make sure you consider all the internal and external stakeholders, and, and don't just, just get stuck on the obvious ones. You know, internally, the business stakeholders are, are the obvious ones. But don't forget corporate functions like finance and like legal and HR. And, and they, they all are stakeholders in different ways. And make sure that you, you know, do consult with them or else it will come back and, and bite you. You know, externally as well, you know, customers or potential market is is the obvious one to go for. But also don't, don't forget about suppliers 
partners, you know, channel partners, potentially regulators, uh, and you know, and other parties in the external market because they, they all have an influence actually on on the on the eventual recommendation, don't they? Absolutely, and and it's that that sense of their involvement is is so valuable for when you get to the end and you're looking for people to support your your recommendation. Yeah, no, it's good. Well, Jonathan, look, moving on to, to structure or templates. I mean, often when you're, you're thinking about putting a business case together, you go onto Google and you start looking at, you know, templates that are available. You know, what, what would you recommend? So I guess the key is not to overthink it. You don't have to work to some sort of pre-approved standardized template because a, a business case at its core is quite a simple document. First of all, you need to lay out the as is situation. How are you operating today in this area? What's the associated costs? What are the associated risks? Be those reputational or regulatory? Um, and what's it look like as we are right now? Then you've got to get the data to back that up. It's no good just sort of saying, hey, this is costing us 10 million a year. You need all the data that says exactly where that money goes, um, how, it fl- how it flows in and out of the organization. Is there, is there money coming in as a result of this? All the data that you can get your hands on, there's probably no such thing as too much data in this situation. Um, and data doesn't just have to be restricted to pure numbers. Um, in the procurement solutions world where we're looking at statements of work, the data isn't just the costs associated with, with each one and the timelines, it's contractual content, it's um, time and motion studies as to how long it takes to get something approved and so on. So as much data as you can get. And then you need to lay out some options. As a general rule, you usually see three options in a, in a business case. And if you were to boil those three options down, into some sort of consistent narrative. They would be do nothing and accept the situation we're in, do something or do something major. Um, off the back of those, you then need to do the same as you did with the assets. You need to measure the cost, you need to measure the risk, you need to measure the viability of doing those three options. And then end it with a recommendation. Have some faith and confidence in your view and stand behind one of those three options. Yeah, look, I agree. I think you know there are lots of different templates out there. My, I mean, my advice would be to consider it in two different ways. One, one is about the actual written document itself. You know, there are some really good templates that are you know on Google. I mean, but I, I would encourage you to curate your own. Uh, format for that, and I think if you do that, you're going to feel more ownership of of the report rather than just just taking somebody else's format. And the, the second recommendation would be there are two parts to it. There's the written report, but then then there's you need to tell the story when you present this to to the decision makers, and and it's not 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 the optimal way to to tell the story by presenting a word document um, as nicely formatted as it might be. You're going to need to put together some kind of presentation. Uh, or PowerPoint for that and, and really, really tell a story and, and not just replicate all the content that's written in the report as well. You, and I would encourage you really strongly to work with someone who's got a strong desktop publishing or someone who's in your bid management team that puts together, uh, you know, fancy PowerPoint decks, make sure that, it, you know, it looks the part as well and is, is going to, you know, keep people's interest as well. Um, you know, that, that, that would be what I'd, I'd weigh in with Jonathan. Yeah, I agree, and I, I guess it's probably an extension of what you you, you ended with there. But um, an exec an exec summary is key to this, um, especially if you're doing a data heavy business case. You've got a lot of data points in there. Um, nobody's reading the the, the twenty five tab spreadsheet that's attached. So uh, a, a one page summary that goes on the front that helps people really quickly digest what you're saying, and 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 they can have confidence in what's attached behind it. Should make a world of difference. 
Yeah, and, and you know, I think also remember there are two different types of, of audience, really. There's an audience that's very analytical and, and data heavy and are going to want to read the report line by line and make sure that you haven't missed or not considered all the risks or all the costs or all the different flows, as, as you outlined. And then there, there are going to be people that are more visual and are probably not even going to read the report. Um, but they, you know, you need to be really compelling in terms of how you tell that story uh, and bring that business case to life. So, you know, just keep it in mind. There are two, there are two different preferences in terms of how people receive information. And, and just, just think that through as in terms of how you want to get to the outcome you want. All right. Well, look, um, what, what are some of the pitfalls you've seen, Jonathan? You, you, you've seen the good, the bad and the ugly. Well, you know, what are some of the bad and the ugly that you've seen when, you know, people have put a business case in front of you? Um, I, I think I've often seen people put a huge amount of work into measuring the nature of the problem that they're trying to address. Then lay out the options, but not measure the residual risk that's left after that. So, for example, you know, we're, we're, we're not in compliance with a particular regulation right now. That's the problem that the business case is trying to address. address here's the three options that, 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 that get us back into compliance. But not going into what residual risk you have after you've, you've implemented those. Do we have still have some small regulatory issues? Do we have any reputational issues? Do we have any additional costs? They've invested all the effort and all the analytical time in the as is and not in the in the in in, in the situation that we left with after the implementation. And that's one. I think another one that's incredibly common is it's rare to see a business case these days that doesn't have some element of technology solution to it. Um, and it almost seems like people assume that technology resources available in the business. So it's pretty common to see a business case that says you know all our problems are solved by quickly integrating system A and B. And then IT points out it'll be two years before they can allocate a resource to help you with the integration. So that's partly a stakeholder management one. It's partly one of questioning your own logic and your own assumptions beforehand. And it's it's, it's definitely one to, to watch out for. Yeah, no, it's got a, a couple that come to mind for me. You know, as I mentioned earlier, I think you know you don't want to present a business case cold to the decision makers. You know, you want them involved in the lead up discussions, don't you? It's human nature, as we said. You know, they want to know that they've been heard and their perspectives have been considered before any business cases presented back to them, you know, in front of their peers, in front of their bosses or their colleagues. Um, I, I also have experience where, you know, you, you need to, to demonstrate that you've been thorough and not missed other alternatives. Um, so, again, you're stuck on your, your recommendation, but, you know, bear in mind that you got to that place, you need to take people on the journey with you. And, and to do that, you make you need to make sure that you present other alternatives and you've canvassed enough views, I think, from the different stakeholder groups, you know, and the marketplace uh, to ensure, you, ha you know, you haven't missed a, an obvious strategic alternative. Um, and then the big one, I think, that gets a lot of people with the business cases is, you know, you've got to share evidence or data to back up your recommendation. People are, are not going to take your word for it. It doesn't matter how good the story is. You know, if you don't have the evidence, so it's critical you spend enough time um, doing that research and doing the design tests and and doing you know often often prototyping um, to make make the recommendation very credible. Because if you're not, you, otherwise you could well be sent back to the drawing board. Absolutely. And then just to add to that, I, I think you should also take a moment to think about your own independence. And what I mean by that is, if the solution you're going to propose obviously benefit you or your department um, you know it's going to result in you needing an extra five heads into, into your team or it's going to result in a bigger budget for your function recognize even if that's the right answer that it's going to be perceived as a little bit self-serving um, so 
the broader the stakeholder group, the less that will look that way. Or even get external help to build a business case. Have if you if you're not independent in your position, um, or even perceived to be independent in your position, get external help um, because that credibility is is ultimately the strongest part of the business case. Yeah, no, agreed. And and look, look, finally, how, how do you know you've done everything correct? I mean, you, you, you know, you've been, you've been putting this business case together. What, what's your advice, Jonathan, to, to, to you know to to ensure that people feel as though they put everything together correctly? Yeah, look, it's it's not a science. Um, so brutally, I mean, you'll probably never will know if you did everything correctly. But if you follow the formula, you do all the research, you engage as many people as you possibly can engage. You really think in depth about systems, processes, all the impacted parties, and you communicate with everybody. You, you, you'll you have done the best you can. Not all good business cases get approved and not all approved business cases are good business cases. But it's down to you to make sure that you've put everything into that business case that could be asked. If you get to the end of presenting a business case and those you've been presenting it to were clearly engaged and don't have very many questions, then you know you've really hit it on the head. If you get hours of questions, then you know you could have done a better job. Yeah, it's true. And I'm just reflecting on your earlier comment. I mean, you know, and again, my experience, I think if you have two or three practice runs to present the business case to different people, different groups, you know, that you respect their opinion, their views on, um, you know, that, that can be really valuable, can't it? I think before you actually, you know, make the presentation and, and submit the, the business case to the decision makers. And, you know, from my own experience, you know, I'd recommend a business person, but also separately a finance person, because you know these two groups are, are often two of the more important stakeholder groups, aren't they? And and they most often have very different perspectives on on process, on risk, on return. Um, quite different different perspectives. So it's it's a great um, I think a great acid test. I think um, before before you submit and give you some comfort, some com- more confidence that you've done everything as correctly as you can. Absolutely. And when you do those dry runs with these stakeholders, don't be afraid to fundamentally change aspects of your business case following that, or at least the way it's presented. If you can prevent a question being asked um, because you've answered it before somebody's needed to ask, um, you'll, you'll, you'll find yourself in a much stronger position. As soon as people start finding holes, they'll continue looking for more. Um, so, so take the feedback from these stakeholders um, address anything that they felt was a concern um, back into the core of the business case and ensure that when you present it for real, um, you're, you're covering off everything they may well have asked you in practice. Okay, great. Thanks, Jonathan. I- anything to sum up in terms of you know key takeaways? Yeah, the, the, the key is, is really unlocking as much data as possible. Now, the big challenge associated with that is often you're writing a business case because something's not working properly. It's not it's not, not usually the case that you've got an opportunity to do even better. It tends to be that something's not going very well. And when something's not going very well, that can often be associated with a lack of data. So so sometimes it might seem insurmountable, um, but you've got to find a way to do it. You've got to maybe partner with external organizations, partner with other people in your business to find access to the right data. Because without that, it's just a hunch. It's not a business case. Yeah, I, th- I think it's a, that's a, a very important point. And, and I think also be aware of, of your own strengths and weaknesses too. So if, if, if you're a business person and you're not particularly analytical, for example, make sure that you, you, know, you find someone um, you know, that, that you can partner up with uh, who is very analytical and very data-focused, data data-driven, who can help, help you know, complement um, your strengths and your skills. Or it might be the other way around. You might be a very data-driven analytical person, but um, not as strong on some of your business acumen. So 
um, you know, think about who you put together in that project team. Don't try to do things on your own. Um, and, you know, you'll finish up with a better product, I'm sure. Okay, well, that's great. Look, thanks for your time, Jonathan, today. And to our listeners, thanks for tuning in. We hope you got some, uh, some take-home value from this session on the business case. And keep a lookout uh, for more discussion topics coming soon. So bye for now. Thank you for joining us today. And thanks to Andrew Grant and Jonathan Winters for an insightful discussion. If you'd like to learn more about AGS's services procurement, please check us out at AllegisGlobalSolutions.com. And if you have any questions for Andrew or Jonathan, feel free to tweet us at Leaders Global with the hashtag subject to talent. Also, you can email us at subject to talent at allegisglobalsolutions.com. And if you enjoyed our podcast today, please subscribe, rate us and leave a review. Until next time, cheers. Cheers.